We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show, IB Nation Sports Talk, Sean Styers, and I've got uh, an, an, an old friend in with us today. You were here, not on my channel, or not my my show, but on this channel just a couple of weeks ago with Brian Driscoll. It's Tim Priester. Good to have well, you uh, back. Yeah, well, thanks, Sean. You said an old friend, which is true, I also old adversaries. <laughs> That's right. Old the, NIC the, baseball the adversaries. That's yeah. right. Yes. <laughs> Jesse wait, will be along here in a little bit, so you'll get some of him as well. So oh, fantastic. What what years did we overlap? I think I coached JV for a couple of years. The varsity year, I think it was 2013. Was that your last year as now head 20, coach? Does, no, 2012 was my last year. Okay. I'm trying to think. 20. So I don't think we went head to head as head coaches in. So okay, so I, you, you know, were, I, you were in the dugout though. You were in the opposite yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Okay. You were you were the varsity coach. I was the the JV coach there for a right. couple of years, but right. but in the dugout because Jesse was there and tried to you know stay away <laughs> during varsity games as much as possible. But yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. Joe Turnock, your your successor, uh, had a pretty good year this year over there. Yeah, he, he had a he had a really good team. It's unfortunate they didn't get get uh, past the regional. He had a really good team. I would say the best team, the most talented team that uh, he has had since since our twenty twelve team. Really? Yeah. And that's you know how it goes. Your your most talented team doesn't always end yeah. up. You know, going the farthest just because of who you have to play sometimes yeah. once you get to yeah. the postseason. Well, they're still young. Yeah, most of his team's back. We're talking about stuff people don't even – they don't want to hear about <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It's a conversation that we're having on the air. That's exactly right. Did you ever – did you ever think about – you know, you played baseball, obviously, at Notre Dame. Did you think about trying to be a college coach at any point? I really – I really didn't. I mean, I think that after I became a high school coach, then then I thought if Paul Maneri asked me to be his assistant coach, yes, I would do that. I really right. only I really only had an interest in coaching at two schools, both my alma mater, Mishawaka Marion High School and Notre Dame. I, I I don't think that I would have gone into because you know, I've been a journalist since the early eighties. So that's right. that that was that was my first love, but I certainly fell in love with coaching and we had a bit of success, which, which, uh, you know, contributes to your interest to it. But, uh, you know, maybe later on, had there been an opportunity at Notre Dame, I might, I might've done something like that. I mean, you're basically the godfather of the the football beat at, at Notre Dame at this point, how many years is this? What are you going into now at on the beat? 42, 42. So you've already Pat, man. You're you're more advanced than I than I even would have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Joe Doyle, Joe Doyle was the was the godfather of Notre Dame uh, football coverage um, when I was growing up in South Bend. Yeah, and uh, knew knew him quite well. Um, 
And so, yeah, whatever you, 42 years, whatever, whatever category that places me in, Sean, <laughs> it's one of the older ones, this much we know. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you talked about working in journalism and that's obviously what you do. I remember you telling me before you weren't necessarily formally trained in journalism at, at Notre Dame. What, what made you decide to do this for a living? Oh, geez. I knew when I was 12, I want to be a sports writer. That, that was a okay. good, but I didn't, you know, I went to, you know, I went to Notre Dame. There wasn't, a, there's not a journalism major at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. uh, I probably should have been in American studies, but I was an English major. Um, I knew at a really, really young age that sports writing was what I wanted to do. So what was that? beat like back in the 80s i can only imagine because like now a lot easier you know, <laughs> I, I bet it was like you know this is one of the big notre dame's always had one of the bigger beats around has it you know at least in recent this is i'm going on year 24 i think here so like has it always been one of the bigger beats as far as you know well, yeah, but I mean, in terms of just, you know, the, the amount of people covering it, when I say it was easier, there's no internet, there's no social media, exactly put out 20 newspapers a year. So think about that. Now, <laughs> you know, game day season, those are, those are hectic and difficult for everybody that's involved, but you know, we didn't, we didn't, I mean, literally 20 newspapers a year, it, it was, it was a lot easier. And as far as, you know, I mean, back in the day, we talk about it now. It was, it was the South Bend Tribune and Blue and Gold Illustrated. Those yeah. were the two. Those were the only two media outlets that were at practice every day when practice was open to the media uh, through most of Holtz's tenure, and then at the end, uh, they started closing things down. That's a, you know, growing up again when I started in the business. Joe Paterno was not, his practices were always closed at Penn State. Notre Dame hmm. remained open until about the time we got to the mid 90s. Why did Lou start to close it down at that point? Was it just kind of yeah. the rot, you know, like more TV and stuff like that being around? Well, I think it was probably more they reached their peak in 93 and then 94, 95. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of they backsliding a little bit. Tail off a, a, a little bit. I don't remember the reason. I mean, had I been, if I were in that position, I would have closed practices too, because, you know, I mean, you saw all the blemishes then. So, you know, the stuff that we wish that we could see now. Oh, right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And we're never going to get to see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You know, I I just rewatched the 30 for 30, the Catholics versus convicts 30 for 30 about a week or so ago. And, you know, like you talked about, there's there's no Internet. There's no college game day at that point. Like ESPN was still relatively new, really. There's no NBC contract even for that matter. What what was the buildup like going into that game with with so relatively, you know, such a relatively small sort of media pool, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, I mean, that was, that was also a time, Sean, when national media traveled more. I mean, they can't, you know, you had more national media at Notre Dame games. I don't remember specifically what it was like that day, but uh, I, you know, I don't remember Catholics versus convicts being a real topic of conversation at that point. It became famous after that. I know that they talked about it during that, that broadcast uh, but I, you know, I don't remember that being real prominent as, you know, to the buildup of the game, but, you know, you, I, I mean, I look back at those years and you just feel privileged to have been involved with games like that. You know, USC at the end of 88, yeah, the 89 season when, you know, arguably that team was as good as the 88 team. Uh, they just went, I actually recently. I recently spent an hour uh, in a Zoom with Lou Holtz, and um, he talked about he blames himself for that 23 game winning streak ending at Miami because he said he had the team in the wrong frame of mind. He didn't want them. It was a big deal about not starting a fight, and he feels he felt like in retrospect that he had kind of taken away some of his team's emotion that night tamped it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, they, they hung in that game. They had it, they had a chance to win. What was it? Third and 45 conversion. Right. That would, you know, um, they had a chance that. to win. The score ended up being like a 17 point differential, but it was, it was closer than that. They didn't play their best football. It's kind of hard to back in the, that day with a 23 game winning streak going into Miami where, the hate in that stadium, Sean, was so palpable. <laughs> I mean, it, it really was. And, you know, as you get older, you, you glorify some of those days. But I'm telling you, man, the hate in the old Orange Bowl, um, not the not the game, the stadium, was incredible that night. You could feel it. Fans talked about it, about how they were treated, um, you know. It's unfortunate, like, but Notre Dame fans talked about how they were treated about, down there. How poorly they were treated, yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was gone by then. That was Dennis Erickson in yes. 89. 88 was was Jimmy's last season. I also just saw the Jimmy Johnson football life on NFL Network, and I didn't realize this until there was a little he was he was up for the Arkansas job at you know, whatever point that was in his career and Lou Holtz. Yeah. His alma mater and Lou ended up getting it instead. Like, did that ever come up back then? Like, do you know if that was kind of part of the, you know, I don't Added maybe a little fuel to the fire. I mean, I think that's a great point and it probably did. I don't, I don't have a recollection of that. I mean, those, those person, just put those two personalities in the same stadium. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're going you're to get a very, and then, you know, the magnitude of the game and the, the level of play of both teams. It, you know, it was, it was remarkable, but you know, I mean, Holtz, when I talked to him recently, he mentioned it again, that the, the schedule that Nordane played and, and had success against was incredible. I, you know, I mean, you got a 23 game winning streak and you're playing top 10 teams a third of those games. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, it's like, I've got this thing with the, that, that schedule out there. It wasn't like it was a bunch of cream puffs by any means that they were playing back then. And, and just like you said, it's like, not only was Miami 
a big game that year. The, the USC game almost gets overlooked, I think, a little bit there at, at the end of the season because that was one versus two when we, you know, going into that game. Right. And you have, you know, you had Michigan in there and Notre Dame was the Holtz dominated USC during the hell. If USC, USC was really good in 88, um, they started to tail off. Yeah. I may be misremembering here a little bit, but yeah, yeah. it was, it was a really, really difficult, difficult schedule. And, and even to this day, Lou Holtz kind of marvels at the success they had against that level of schedule. I can only imagine what Jimmy Johnson's press conference was like after that that 88 game. Were were you were you present for that? We were separate. I, I I'm pretty sure that we were separate at that point. Okay. Uh, like we are today. So unless you send unless you're multi-staffed and send somebody you know to the other locker room. Uh that, you know Sean I my memory isn't as, as good. Hey, you know, there, there it's may, only been what thirty-five years. Yeah, you know, you know, <laughs> a lot of water under the bridge since then. But yeah. uh, you know, I do remember, and I've and, and the, the Irish Illustrated subscribers have heard this story. But when Notre Dame played Florida State in '93, one versus two, Holtz would have, you know, he there would be people from out of town, and he would have a gathering at his house on Thursday night. And, you know, I mean, the magnitude of that game was as, was certainly as big as the buildup for Miami in 88. You know, it was, it was one versus two. And uh, I had never been invited to one of his Thursday night home week gatherings, but I was invited to the one when they played Florida State. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there are NBC officials there. By that point, they did have the NBC. They did have NBC, yeah. And I can remember, uh, you know, and, and I was with Blue and Gold Illustrated. And again, the, the the number of media outlets was, it was very limited. So, you know, those of us that did cover Notre Dame were kind of recognizable. We had our newspaper and you had your picture in the paper. Uh, and I and I knew that, um, I knew Regis Philbin being a Notre Dame graduate was a fan. He subscribed to our paper. Anyway, my point being that I'm at this gathering and I'm across the way and I look up and it's like, man, that's Regis Philbin. And he <laughs> looks at me and he says, Tim, and he waves to me. And, and I was just like, he knows who I am, <laughs> which is still amazing to me today, but that's the magnitude of Notre Dame, Notre Dame football. And, and certainly at that time, because of the, the Notre Dame Florida State game in '93 was, um, you know, that was a, that was a tremendous game. Lou, the 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 late great Lou Samoji and I always agreed that the following week the loss to Boston College was the most devastating of our lives as followers slash media. Be. Yeah, of Notre Dame. I was 12 years old when Anthony Davis scored six touchdowns against Notre Dame, and that was pretty devastating for a 12 year old. But as an adult. <laughs> The loss to Boston College on David Gordon's 42-yard field goal, I believe, was uh, was pretty devastating. Holtz, I can't imagine how quiet the about that too, And he said, "Yeah, that was his most that was his most difficult loss as a coach." Period. I I can only imagine. Uh, you know, it's it, and when you look at the way that season ended, the, the, there's there's obviously, you know, a great case that it should have been Notre Dame and Florida State. It should have been at number one. Yeah, it should have been. It's just that the system. So different back then. Yeah, it was. And there was, you know, I mean, I grew up where when Notre Dame started going to bowl games, um, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Well, what was my point there? I lost my I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts going through my head. End of the 93 season, Notre Dame and Florida State. Oh, yeah. What I was starting to say was, you know, the bowls determine who played. It didn't really matter what records were when Notre Dame, you know, first entered the fray full time uh, with bowl games, you know, Notre Dame played the year after 93 and 94, Notre Dame played in a festival. They were six, four and one mm -hmm. they had no business being in that game. So it's, it's better today. I know, 
you know, it's still not a perfect system because football is not a perfect game for a playoff system. You can't play every, every other day or every three days like you can in other sports. Uh, so it kind of pre- it prevents you from, from having, you know, the, the, the true determination of a, a of a playoff and champion, because you can only play so many games, but we have a 12 game playoff coming into play next year. So we're going to be covering games in December coming up here in Notre Dame stadium. Well, you know, it's, it's amazing because, you know, you, you mentioned that it, and obviously there's a, a great chance that, whether it's Notre Dame or Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State, Wisconsin, take your pick. You know they'll they'll have opportunities to host those playoff games in December. And I remember asking Marcus Freeman about it toward the end of the season, and you know he's like he's he's all for it. But just a, a week or so ago, these Big Ten teams were were you know upset because they found out that when they sign this big NBC contract, they're actually going to have to host some some night games in November. Yeah. It's like, come on, what are we doing here? I know. And I know, you know, I never heard any, when, when the 12 team playoff was announced and the, the discussion of it, the negotiations, I never heard anybody say that the, they took a poll of the players and the players said, I mean, it was, was the players thoughts on playing exactly additional two or three <laughs> games ever considered. I don't think it was, which is, you know, pretty unfortunate, but that is the, uh, that's the world that we live in, 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 uh, in college sports, professional sports. By the way, uh, for our live listeners slash viewers, if you have questions, you can throw them in there in the chat and uh, we'll, uh, we'll discuss them here. I, I saw some people asking if we were going to, you know, kind of keep going down triple option lane there with, now, with, with old yeah. memories or whatever. No, we, should so. we should talk present days, please, Sean. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you just had the article with uh, in the interview with Brian Polian talking about the Goog renovations. We talked about it a little bit on our show yesterday. I, I'm curious. Some people were asking why Brian Polian. Like, did you did you pursue Brian? Where 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 did the what's the uh, the origin? of of that uh i'm working on another project and so that that took me to getting in contact with him and then the whole goog and renovation all that i'm not even really sure how that came up it wasn't like it wasn't like you know he had it wasn't like he called me and said hey i want to tell you about how lousy nordame's setup is in the goog and nor was it me saying all right tell me how bad it is it just it just became part of our interview and conversation and he kind of uh he elaborated and embellished upon it i know that the the holtz foundation twitter account made a comment you know because he said you know it's not like it's not like the old days with lou and and you know i mean his point was that you know you had minimal facilities back then it was just, it was, it was different. You didn't, it was more, it was a less tactical game then. It was, it was more lineup and, 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 you know, who's the more physical team that doesn't really have anything to do with facilities. He just, it was just a comment that he made. And I thought, oh, that's a good, you know, that, that here's a former coach who had two stints at Notre Dame, five years with Weiss and five years with Kelly. I wasn't trying to stir anything up and he wasn't either. It was, it was just part of the conversation, and he and I said, "So, you tell me you've experienced it. You've been at LSU, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Texas A and M. Compare facilities, and it just went there. I was neither one of us were trying. I knew I had something that would be interesting that people would talk about, so we rolled with it. I thought it was pretty interesting because of what you said. He has been at both places, and uh, you know, I saw the Holtz's heroes." make some kind of reference to Notre Dame doesn't get involved in the arms race, you know, the facilities arms, something along those lines. That was, and obviously, that was my, yeah. That was my comment. I, I maybe that was I your comment. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I shouldn't have used arms races. That that's, that's kind of an old phrase that started to come about a few years ago when right. facilities began expanding and expanding. But I mean, Polian has been at both places and he had, you know, some very specific comments in there about how things are done at LSU and he knows how things are done 
at Notre Dame. Because that's like one thing, like we might see football stadiums when we go on the road, but you don't get to see yeah. inside these football right. facilities. And let, me, let me clarify something, Sean, because I, I people still say, well, it's it's embarrassing. I hate when I hate when they, people say it's if it's embarrassing for you, don't be a Notre Dame fan. If it's so <laughs> embarrassing for you, don't right. do it, okay. But I'm glad you said that because that kind of rubs me the wrong way as well. It's oh, it's embarrassing. This it's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. I uh, see that a little bit too often. My point being, Notre Dame does not lack in access to nutrition. That's inaccurate. the the common The problem is the facility. And the inconvenience that is involved for the team and certainly the personnel that set it up. And I'm near and dear to some of the personnel that set up these dinners and stuff. And that that's the comment. Nordame has Nordame has a training table. Nordame has the players have plenty of access to nutrition. Sometimes we talk about nutrition like every football player is dialed into his nutrition and he's not going out eating Big Macs and pizza. I mean, that's that's crazy. They're kids. Of course they do that. Notre Dame provides all the nutrition that they need. Notre Dame football decides what they eat. Right. It's the facility that is inconvenient. Yeah, it's funny because like, you know, Audric Estime, how'd you lose weight? Well, I stopped eating Big Macs or, you know, whatever. No, it was, I guess it was raising, the chicken was it? down the street. Yeah, right. The raising, raising gains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's like, and there were a couple other guys like that as well. What'd you do to lose weight? Well, I stopped eating a bunch of junk. Yeah. You know, it's pretty and they have the, simple you know, as that. Tim O'Malley, who works with us at, at Irish Illustrated, he's about to do an interview with the nutritionist in Notre Dame. Notre Dame has nutritionists. They're on top of, of yeah. all of that. What they need is a renovation of the Goog to make the process a little bit simpler for everybody. Well, you know, Vince and I were talking about this yesterday and it really seems like, you know, they're, they're fairly limited by the space around the Goog. There's, there's not obviously a lot of free space in between the nutrition aspect, between the fact that you've got a growing staff with all these analysts, you know, that are involved now and everything right. else. Really it's, it's that, that space there, between the what is that the south side of the Goog and the north side of the Irish Athletic Center across the street? That's one of the few spaces it seems like where they really yeah. have to expand. What do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I I don't really know what the what the blueprints look like, but they just need a, a larger open space to do it. And you've been up there, right, Sean? You you've mm -hmm. been up there before, and it's. <laughs> I mean, when we're talking about a football, if you're talking about a baseball team or a basketball team. You know, that's one thing, uh, a football team, which is way more than a basketball and, you know, th three times what a what a baseball team would be. It's just, you know, it's just it's inconvenient. Now, does it you know, this is what I argue. Does it dissuade recruits from coming to Notre Dame? What do you think they come there on their visit and say, wow, this is really kind of confined space? I just don't think that <laughs> 17 and 18 year olds are, are thinking along those lines. I don't either. But and, go ahead. Well, I mean, but but you know, I was just going to get back. Brian Polian's lived it, lived on both sides, right? And he said it does make a difference. So, you know, I have to believe him because he's he's experienced it, and we have it. We've talked about it. We can imagine it, uh, but he lived it, and so that's why I thought it was. I wasn't. We, neither one of us were trying to stir something up. But when you realize that you have something that people are going to be interested in, yeah, I ran with it. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't read it that way, but it's, especially when, you know, you take a couple quotes out of context and there's always wow, the potential. John, so. again, I've been doing this 41 years in each of those 41 years, there is always a segment. It's a, it's a, it's a minority, but it's a vocal minority. But each one of those 41 years, there's been a segment of people that they're all that of Nordain fans that are always angry. They're never happy with what's going on with the team. Somebody's screwing up. Somebody is not doing their job well. I always say it's athletic competition. Not everything is going to go smoothly, especially now with a transfer portal. Your, your roster is never going to be – you're never going to have enough of every position. And that's not Notre Dame. That's every school. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, Alabama had to go out and get Tyler Buckner because their quarterback situation – isn't good. So if it can happen to them, it can happen to everybody, but there's a segment that's always unhappy with what's going on with Notre Dame football. 
and Mississippi football and Missouri football and Arizona State football and on and on and on. And I just don't, you know, to me, I feel privileged to have spent my whole life doing this. It's an honor to do it. It sucks when Notre Dame's not good, but it's athletic competition. And God did not say that Notre Dame's going to be great in football every year, nor yeah. did he, nor did he say that for, you know, UCLA or anyone else. It's just the way it is. We've been pretty, you know, pretty fortunate since 2016. We've, you know, we've, been able to see some good well, that, football. Yeah, I mean, six, I you know, I always go back to 63 wins in six years, and uh, the the disgruntled portion of fandom treats 63 wins in six years as if it was nothing. Uh, you know, somebody said that Notre Dame's been lapped. They, they've got the fifth best record in all of college football in the last six years. Championships? No. But how many teams – how many two teams do win championships? I mean, you know, how pretty do you much think, two. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how do you think Texas feels these days, or Tennessee, or UCLA, right. or you know, and up until last year, USC? Um, it's hard to win, man. It's hard to win. Uh, the, and the SEC has an advantage because they they function basically under no limits. I've got a question here. I was listening to you talk and I wanted to find the question that kind of goes along with, with what you're talking about, because what are we talking about now going to the next level? And uh, Joe says, first, <laughs> thanks for your excellent coverage to you, Tim, throughout the years. His question, you, what in your opinion of coach Freeman's, what is your opinion of coach Freeman's recruiting as opposed to Brian Kelly's recruiting in his <laughs> best years? Well, there's a level, Sean, I think, as you probably know, and I think Joe probably knows too, a level of relentlessness that that Marcus Freeman uh, brought to the equation. Uh, being in your mid thirties helps with that. Uh, being a you know a first time head coach, you're 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 more motivated to do it. But I, I just think that it's uh, it's a relentlessness and an effort and a and a, a total involvement in the recruiting process. Where whereas Brian Kelly. Um, you know, and again, a guy that's been in the business that long, it's hard. It's hard to maintain that edge year after year after year. But Brian Kelly was a closer, and that was really the only involvement mm -hmm. he wanted in the recruiting process, which makes it very difficult, uh, certainly on the staff that has to do all the legwork leading up to that. I think it's harder. I think if the basketball coach is just a closer, like Mike Bray generally was, uh, I think that's more difficult to overcome uh, because there's a limited number of players and those players expect the head coach to be in your house. Right. You know, right away. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're competing with the big boys, the head coaches <clears throat> are in the house, but, you know, I think that's, that's mainly at Marcus Freeman's effort. Uh, the demands, he puts a lot of demands on his assistant coaches to be thorough and, and relentless. And so I think that's the big thing. Now, has it, has it come to fruition? Has it paid off? I think it's a little early to say that, but I, but I do think that Notre Dame, we always talk about the, the Notre Dame shops down, down a different aisle. Well, they're shopping down a little bit of a different aisle from Brian Kelly. There's, there's a greater emphasis on high four stars and five stars. Whereas I think Brian Kelly just kind of started to back away from that a little bit, uh, you know, knowing that it's really difficult for Notre Dame to land five stars, especially now with NIL, it's only going to become more difficult. I think that's going to be Marcus Freeman's biggest challenge, really, because he is, you know, he's obviously done really well with recruiting, but what the three top guys at the top of the class last year ended up, going somewhere else, you know, the guys who you think can really be the biggest difference makers, obviously, but I've got to think that just having Marcus free, you know, like you talk the difference between Kelly, the closer and, you know, really, you know, like if you're going to use a baseball analogy, you know, like Freeman, you know, like the starter, you know, the, the, the workhorse out there, the, the fact that he is in on these guys so early seems to 
have generated, it seems to generate some extra buy-in, long-term buy-in from yeah. these guys going through the recruiting process. Well, we're going to use baseball analogies. Marcus Freeman pitches complete games. There you uh, go. <laughs> as it refers to recruiting, because he's involved from the beginning. Now, you know, and that will, that will change in time too. It has to. I mean, the demands on his time, the way, what he does during the summer He's, I mean, it's like, where's Waldo? He sh- he pops up everywhere. He, yeah. it, it, it doesn't. It's amazing. It, it doesn't, yeah, it, it really is. And so that's a, that's a great thing to have. Um, I respect that a great amount. The job today for college football coaches is outrageously unfair. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's absurd. And that's why you know, when, when fans are saying that this coach isn't working hard, we have absolutely no idea what those people have to go through. I don't know how you raise a family. I don't know how you can be involved in a, in a family setting with what's expected of coaches today. And it, again, it's more difficult now because of NIL and the transfer portal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I mean, you like you look at Marcus Freeman and such a young family that he has and and you know, get, you know, keeping up with that schedule that that he's got. It's just amazing that, he's, well, that he's you know, I, I mean, I can, I can uh, having done this as long as I have as some of the most dysfunctional families that I've ever seen in my entire life are the families of coaches. <laughs> just, you know, and it, I mean, that it that I'm not talking about now, per se, I'm talking about, you know, my 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 previous experiences, but mm-hmm. it's a tough dynamic and it's even more difficult now. Yep. It really is. Question from Irish Chi-Town thoughts on the general manager position at Notre Dame. Who would be your pick net? Have they filled this already? They did. I Do can't you know? even tell you off the top of my head, the person's name. Um, yeah, it seemed like they did, but I can't think of his name either. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just another layer to this. You, you talked about running out of room at the Goog. I mean, it's just, I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. That's actually Brian Pullian, uh had gone from recruiting uh, special teams uh, coordinator to, to general manager. And then um, are you aware that Brian Pullian's not at LSU anymore, Sean? I am. I, okay. After I read your article, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was aware. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right, because I didn't, um, I didn't realize that he well, had left to become an athletic director. When yes. I when I engaged in conversation with him, I actually did not know that. Okay, he went to his alma mater. He went to his alma mater, John Carroll University. He might not be done with coaching, uh, but it was an opportunity that he chose. Obviously, he's making a lot, a lot less money. Um, but I, I got to say this, and I mean, to his credit. Um, um, he has a special needs son okay. who's not having a great experience in Baton Rouge. And so Brian Polian chose what was in the best interest of his family. Okay. Well, good for him. I didn't realize that. So, all right. Yeah. yeah. So and that, when I know, know there's going to be long hours, even at a small school, being an athletic director, but no at the doubt, same time, no, you're home no a, heck of a lot more often. Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, Brian's a pretty complex dude. Uh, the son of, uh, of Bill Polian, mm-hmm. he's experienced a, from an early age, uh, high level football. He did some good things as special teams coordinator, 
when you see a Brian Mason come through Notre Dame, you realize what what a truly great special teams coordinator yeah. is like. Brian, Brian, uh, again in typical fashion because so many people are are uh, follow Notre Dame and spend their whole time being angry about it. I thought Brian Pullian <laughs> did a better job at special teams at Notre Dame than he was given credit for. Now, they were dreadful last year at LSU. There's no denying that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I mean, they were, they were, they were a liability before he was hired. He at least turned them into a break-even point. Special teams. It's hard to be good at special teams. It is because there's so many, there's so many moving pieces Mm -hmm. and so many factors. You're responsible for so many aspects of special teams. Um, you know, the, the kind of the neat thing about Marty Biagi, Notre Dame's new special teams coach is that he was a punter and a kicker in college. Uh, most special teams coaches uh, do not have an expertise in the ki- actual kicking part of the game. Right. Uh, Marty Biagi does. So, you know, maybe the the punters and kickers can lean on him a little bit more. Yeah, most of the – most special teams coaches tend to uh... – you know, go go talk to your specialty coach. I guess <laughs> you know. Well, and he, you know, he did. We did talk about uh, Charlie Weiss gave him a ton of time to work on special teams. Brian Kelly did not. And imagine being a coach. You know, you're you have a coordinator title, and you're begging for an extra five minutes of practice time. Right. You know, so and I mean, you do yeah. see it in the in in what practices, you know, full practices that we have been able to see. You have we have seen more time devoted to special teams this you know last year and this year compared to when Polian was there. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, Brian, point. right? Brian Mason's a, a great, I mean, flat out great special teams coach, but it sure helped having Marcus Freeman give him the time and access that he needed, and Marty Biaggi should benefit from that as well. So we've got another question in here from Michael. When was the last time Notre Dame had a dominant defensive line? Well, uh, I mean, the last, I don't know if you'd call it completely dominant. The 2012 team, was that probably the last, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course I wanted to say that I, I was, you know, you go back to, you go back to 93, you know, during yeah, that I mean, threats, those, those were some great defensive, defensive lines. But yeah. Yeah. T- you know, 2012 and, you know, Clark Lee's defenses were really, really good. Uh, Nordames had a string of good defense. They faltered last year. You know, if they'd been better in the red zone last year, I don't think that we would have noticed it as much. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> hey, Tim, how are you? Good. How you doing? Long time no see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Where did we run into it? Oh, at the uh, College World Series. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, if you have a dominant defensive line with a dominant offensive line, um, you know, we're talking about even more success. Generally, that's where it starts. I came out of spring feeling at least better about this defensive line that I thought I was – Probably, you know, we all, I, I agree, yeah. Sean. I agree. I think we all kind of felt that way, and that, you know, I mean, when we saw them, they got the best of the offensive line. Now, mm-hmm. new offensive line coach, uh, two new guards, chemistry along the offensive line is never a given. Uh, but the D line did do some did do some good things. I it it would have been worse had it been the other way around. We would have felt even worse about it. But, um. You know, I did. I made this comment on the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast today that uh, if you look at the the preseason magazines are starting to come out, and you look at the the list of the top defensive ends and defensive tackles and linebackers, there's really only one Notre Dame defensive player, and that's Benjamin Morrison. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a little bit concerning. I think their depth is pretty good, though. They've got to get a pass rush. I'm not exactly sure where it's coming from. The second year of the L Golden regime is helpful. When you're I think when, so too. When you have, you know, when you have three different coordinators in three years, which is what they had, mm-hmm. that's tough. I don't care how good how good the coordinator is. So hopefully they'll benefit from having a second year of L Golden. L Golden's a very good coach. I don't know that he's a great defensive coach, 
but he's a very good coach. And I thought he was a good hire at the time. I did too. And I think you could at least, at least you could see some things kind of getting cleaned up in spring number two with Al Golden in there. You know, I guess it's, you know, we'll have to wait and see just exactly how that translates when it's time. Jesse, did you have uh, anything for Tim before we let him go tonight? Hmm. Did any baseball questions sneak their way through to you, Tim? <laughs> yeah, but only Sean and I were interested in talking about it. None of us wanted to hear it. So I did. I did Unless see. Unless you play about Notre Dame baseball, and I'd be happy to talk. Yeah, about it. Notre Dame baseball. Someone was asking, you know, if you, if if we think they'll make the tournament next year. What you know, they they ended up being without Jack Penny, their top power hitter, and of course without Jack Findlay as well down yeah. the stretch. I mean, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, things kind of unraveled down that stretch without those guys. What did you think overall of Sean Stifler's first season? I'm just fearful, and sorry, Tim, just before you go, I'm fearful that you're gonna, they're going to get caught up with the leftovers of the old regime, and will that continue into the, the new regime? Like, do we see any sort of, in, like, incline after this, or is this kind of like the final push and we might see a more kind of bigger drop-off? next season that's what i'm most fearful of yeah i mean i i think that we quickly go into the stiffler era stiffler era in terms of his people i think you're going to see you know transfers again this year basically the team that won the regional at notre dame two years ago and then the team that went to the college world series those guys are gone yeah it's gone now so you know i i don't know the level of talent of the younger players uh, I haven't studied the the recruits that will be coming in and and that kind of thing, but it's a I mean it's a rebuild. It, it's this is I'm a little concerned because uh, Link Link Jarrett is I mean that's the finest baseball coach I've ever been around. <laughs> that that guy was so intuitive it, it was scary. I mean yeah. there. Now, Sean Stifler made a couple significant moves this year that that really helped. One of them was getting Vinny Martinez. He just said, Oof. I got to play Vinny Martinez. And Martinez struggled early, and then he took off. He just hit home run after home run. It seemed the back half of the season. Right, right, right. Now, uh, Link Jarrett had Jack Penny playing second, but he put him at third base, mainly because Estevan Moreno came in and you had to play him you know, he had to play him all the time. The other, the other move that Stifler made was that he took Ziska out of the lineup who wasn't producing uh, and they put DM Jefferson in the lineup and, and by and large he produced. So there's were there were a couple of quality moves, you know, they couldn't string anything together, I, but they also avoided long losing streaks. When mm -hmm. the season ended, when the season ended, they ended on a four-game losing streak. Right. They had not lost. They had not lost three in a row since March. So they were they were they were good about getting themselves out of ruts, but they never seemed to really be able to string stuff together. That's true. They just they kind of plugged, kept themselves in contention. Yeah. But like you said, they uh, you never. Know, I, you know, I, other I, than other than that Virginia series, there was there was nothing. Right, right. You know. I, hey, my. My MVP of the team is Zach Preisner. That kid was so consistent. He was. I, I, I will say this. Uh, 41 years ago, I was on the Nordane baseball team. So I go back. <laughs> for, I was on it for three years. So I go back 44 years of Nordane baseball. Zach Preisner is the most consistent defensive shortstop I've seen at Notre Dame. He was automatic. And that was a tough position. When I got to Nordane, I was a shortstop. And I became a third baseman. <laughs> I was not good enough to play that position at that level. Preisner was Preisner made himself into a quality hitter. He made himself into a two hitter. His mom said to me, he doesn't like hitting in the eight hole. And I said, uh, Beth, I hit in the eight hole my whole time. In the <laughs> Oh, well, I didn't mean that. I said, and you can still, you know, what is an eight-hole hitter? Well, he's a starter. He's still on the field. Yeah, no, he's still it, in the lineup it, every day. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> no, it's going to be, it, it it's going to be a transition. Um, you know, again, second time through with Stifler, he'll have a better, better uh, lay of the land, a better idea about the landscape. But we're they'll be transitioning. 
yeah. in terms of personnel on the field. Yeah. yeah. I agree about Preisner though. Like yeah. great defensive player his whole career and he made himself, himself into a, yeah, made himself a hitter this year. number two hitter in the lineup. Yeah. Really, really impressive. Yep, exactly. Well, Tim, I appreciate you doing this tonight. A lot of good, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good, good, uh, good trips good down visiting. memory lane. Good visiting with the Styers family, not in baseball <laughs> uniforms. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I of miss you can... down at third, Tim. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is now, uh, um, I can't believe it. I haven't, I haven't coached in 11 years. I, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe Man. it's been that, been that long. People say, do you miss it? Their aspect, the, the, the competition, the feeling, there is no greater feeling in the world than you're in the dugout in a state championship game and you feel like you're going to throw up. God, I wish <laughs> I could feel that way. I did it. <laughs> we, did it, we did it twice and it's the greatest feeling in the world for a coach and a player. Okay. Uh, that's the part I meant. The love, the, the, com the competition is, is what I miss. And the kids, you know, the kids that we had a great, we had two great groups of kids that came through Mishawaka Marion high school that were outstanding players and, and created our, created our success. And it's great to see somebody, uh, so committed to being great at what they do. And we had that, we had that. That was pretty cool. Yep, absolutely. Some uh, some really good teams, like you said, a couple state championship appearances during that run. Tim Priester, of course, you can see all this stuff, irishillustrated.com and on their podcast as well. Appreciate it. Once again, Tim, have a good rest of your summer. Thanks, son. Jesse, good to see you. All the best to you, kid. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take Talk care. Talk to you guys later. Yep. Okay, sounds good. All right. The godfather of the Notre Dame football beat, Tim Priester.